Weird shit, my mom says episode 32. I'm Jules. I'm Cece. I don't know what that Your was. Your eyeballs were really weird when you did that. It was really weird. They were? Yeah, okay, well, they here we like... are. Here we are again recording. I can't believe we're on episode 32. I can't believe we're on episode 32 either. Like, this one, do you think this one's going to get squirrely? Because it is now getting to well, be a little bit late. here's the thing. Yeah, I I am about to drink the last of an entire bottle of wine. And we just finished recording Solid. that cold case episode that I definitely solved. And yeah, yeah I you think did. we're going to be a little bit squirrely, which is good because we're talking about something amazing today. And I did, to, to get my research for this one, I, I read a motherfucking book. Like you for real like, read the book, is a book like report. you didn't skim it. I I read the whole book and took notes whilst I did so. Did you contemplate? I it? watched a documentary. I listened to a podcast, and all coming straight from the person that it involves. So this is firsthand, pretty much, unless some of my notes are wrong, which could happen, because you know me. Yeah. Or if you don't well, believe that this person had what he says happened to him, happened to him. It's Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar. I'm so excited to talk about Bob Lazar today. Well. Yeah. I'm excited for you to talk about Bob Lazar. Um, so before we get into this, I just think we need to just tell everybody that if you're listening right now, Maybe you want to give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to us on. If you leave us a comment, especially if it's on Apple Podcasts, we might possibly read your comment out loud unless you're being a dick. So I will leave sing us a comment it. right now on a five-star review. And Jules might sing your comment unless you specifically tell her not to in the comment. Don't tell me not to do that. <laughs> If you tell me not to do that, I will do it. Don't 100% tell her not to because she do wants it. to do it. It's true. Even if you tell me not her. to, I will. Tell me. I dare you, bitch. Yeah. I dare you. We're just, yeah, we're trying to get them. And it's New Year's Day right now, too. Celebration. But this is going to come out the week after. So uh, this is actually going to be a two-part series, I would imagine, since I have 20 pages of notes on it. So are you ready? To learn more about Bob Lazar? Yeah, I'm just going to get a little bit more comfortable in my chair. I feel like I've been trying to sit up Do you straight. Need, did you, you didn't need to take a break or anything? No, I'm hardcore. I don't need to take a break. All right. I mean, I'm I might stop midway here and go get another watermelon margarita in a tiny bottle. But other than that, that's cool. I might have to. I normally don't like watermelon. Entire bottle of wine. Well, that sounds like a personal problem. Yeah. Okay. You should wear a diaper. Well, I mean, you do you. 
Yeah, you've had a rough week. <laughs> what? You've had a rough week. It sounds I've like with animals week. being pissy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've had a rough... I don't... Dude, I've done so much driving this month. Like, from the beginning of the month to the end of the month. All the way through. I took so many long, long cross-country trips. I swear to God. We went to Wisconsin, and then I did a trip yeah. during a weekend up to Ohio and back, and then I just had to drive to South Florida and back. And I am toast, man. I am done. And then my cats and dog are just peeing on everything. Just peeing. So everybody gets Well, I wish diaper. you had an alien spacecraft that you could travel back and forth to Wisconsin and Ohio. And South Florida. I, and... I respect your segue. I tried. It was a really bad <laughs> one, but I tried. <laughs> the doc and I oh were listening to podcasts when we were in the car traveling, and we stopped on this one. It was uh-huh. actually um, a podcast that was about Lydia Thompson, the cold case that we just covered. Oh, and this this yeah. woman was on the podcast and she had this laugh that was like infectious but in a bad way it was like do you oh, want no. me to do it it's pretty terrible anyway we've yeah, been doing it back and well. forth Just, to each please. other we've been going oh, 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 like that's how her laugh sounded and so the doc and I have been doing it at each other like once you start no once you start doing the laugh you can't it's like you can't stop it's like a pendulum swinging right you get the momentum going and then you're like fuck i can't stop anyway i had to shut that one off yeah i wouldn't be able to handle that either i hope we don't ever sound like that to someone sometimes we're cackly but like to think we're better oh, than well. that. No offense, whoever it's you fine. are. But yeah. Okay, are you ready to start talking about aliens? Because I am. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. We've talked a little bit before. I mean, like obviously, if you've listened to any of our other podcasts besides this, I will mention that I'm getting. I'm pretty new into ufology, and so ufology ufology am i supposed to say ufology or do i just say ufology i like my instincts tell me that you should say ufology (laughs) but i've heard other people say ufology we're not experts like so i think say whatever you want i have a hard time with that word because it's based on an acronym and then you're like turning an acronym into some kind of scientific word so I just it's it's a hard thing for me but I'm pretty new into this and I didn't really know so like when we did we covered Roswell not very long ago in November and I guess I just I thought that Roswell and Area 51 were connected and Mm -hmm. that's not the case (laughs) they're not the same thing I didn't know that either but yeah, I don't so, know much. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Area 51. 
So Area 51 is a secret base or used to be a secret base. And so on May 18th, yeah, it's not. May 18th of 1955, there was a news release issued by the Atomic Energy Commission announcing that preliminary work had begun on a small satellite installation within the Las Vegas bombing and gunnery range. And it said it would be essentially temporary, quote unquote, essentially temporary. Um, Okay. The the military sent the statement to 18 news organizations, including KLAS-TV, which is a station in Las Vegas, that um, if you are familiar with George Knapp at all, he's an investigative journalist. He works there, and he'll come up in the story. I don't know who that um, is. As we get through it, so um, including that station. Over the next three months, more was released slowly in news things, so... They said that the contractor was going to add some additional facilities and modifications to a small installation near Groom Lake, which is out in the desert in Nevada. And they referred to the site as Watertown or the Watertown Strip. Uh, Watertown was going to be the hub of a program to obtain high-altitude weather data for the Air Force. Other names that were used for the area over the next decades include Watertown, Watertown Strip, Paradise Ranch, The Box, Groom Lake and Dreamland, which is also the title of Bob Lazar's book that I got all this information from. So. Dreamland. Yeah, Dreamland. Uh, the northeast corner used to be, like of this property, used to be the Nevada test site, if you are familiar with all that stuff. But people thought that it was built to house the U-2 spy plane and it's not the band you two it's just like a spy plane that happened well i think shit. in world war ii so and that was the most classified program at the time so u2 flights were there to collect weather data um, or they said that they were there to collect weather data but they were actually spying on our adversaries in the war they so, were spying they were spying yeah they were spy planes so espionage that base was secret at the time. Today, Area 51 has close to 2,000 scientists, technicians, pilots, radar specialists, contractors, security personnel, and and spooks. I don't really know what a spook spooks? is. Spooks? And I forgot to look it up. Yeah. Like, I feel like that, that was mean? important. when I say it, it just feels like I'm not supposed to say it. That doesn't feel like a nice thing to say. I don't know why. Well, what is a spook? <laughs> oh, it's just a spy. Spy. But then why there. wouldn't they just There's say a spy? I guess it's more fun to see spooks. They are spooky. So, all right. How does that so, make them spooky? It wasn't. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. The base, though, was in, on maps in the 50s and 60s. And then. There was like fallout maps that they had, but then in the 70s, it just disappeared from the maps. In the 80s, government officials wouldn't even confirm that it existed. Um, In 1984, the Air Force illegally seized control of 89,000 acres of public land adjacent to Groom Lake. They put armed guards around it and posted signs saying that if anybody crossed the perimeter, that they'd use deadly force. So they started getting like really intense with not wanting anybody anywhere near it. Yeah, you could see it with telescopes and foreign satellites have photographed it at that time, but like Americans were not allowed to know that it existed, even though other countries could confirm that it did. 
And some other history about it is that in the 1990s, some employees of Groom Lake or Area 51 sued the government to find out what kinds of toxic chemicals they had been exposed to while working there. Remember that. Okay. So some people were getting sick while they were out there. So the reason that they were getting sick is that trash wasn't even allowed to leave. It was so secretive that they couldn't do trash. Like they couldn't take the trash out to somewhere else. And so, so they, they would do with dig it? these large trenches and they would, f- well, they, they dug large trenches. They fill the piles with discarded materials and equipment. They'd hover it in jet fuel and then they'd set it on fire. No. And so there would be these huge clouds of black smoke that would just take over the whole base and they would get into the lungs of the employees. Some of them got sick. Some of them died. Yeah. And so these these people were trying to sue the government. And this, I think, could probably be a whole extra episode. But essentially, the government was like, yeah, guess what? This is an, this is an issue of national security, what they were exposed to. And so at that time, an executive order came down from the White House. Area 51 is actually exempt from the laws that govern every other piece of U.S. soil. So, like every other workers' comp doesn't exist there. What like the laws that are everywhere else in the U.S. Everywhere else in the U.S., we have these laws saying like if you get hurt at work or you're exposed to something at work, you're entitled to you know be helped out with that and know more about that. Like you would with like workers' comp, that doesn't happen. At, like Area 51 is ex- exempt from any of that. So if you go out there to work, you're just saying basically guess what if you get hurt out here you're nothing's going to happen for your family nobody's going to know you're never going to be able to find out why you were sick none of that and the government can like force you to go there if i think so yeah i mean forces right probably if you're part of the armed forces i think um in this case we're going to talk about bob lazar today and he i mean he didn't really know where he was going i guess but he kind of knew that there would be some things that he might be exposed to. Um, I know that somebody that we – like, the thing that makes me crazy is that we know somebody that has been to Area 51 before. And yeah. they absolutely will not talk about it. Um, not even, like, behind closed doors. It's pretty wild to me how yeah. closed out this person is that we know about the fact that they've been in Area 51 uh, but I think that they had the ability to say no if they wanted to. Like about going? Yeah, but they didn't go there. I mean, like they were there on like a singular project, I think. Huh. The reason that obviously at this point we know all about Area 51 and the reason that we know all about Area 51 or what we do know anyway, or the people that know about it, is because of a guy named Bob Lazar. Here's... Here's what we're going to talk about with Bob Lazar. So I'm going to give you a little overview right now of Bob Lazar, and then we'll get more into like what actually happened in there. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So we're going to go in the not-so-far-back machine to the mid to early 1980s when you were just a wee one and I was – just a sparkle in our mother's eye. Okay. Yeah. You look so serious about that. <laughs> I know, right? Okay, so 
Bob Lazar. I think you were actually He's... a sparkle in my eye. I probably was just a sparkle in your eye, to be honest. Because I wanted a little sister sparkle in their eye. Yeah, I wanted a little sister so bad. I couldn't hardly stand it. I was such a disappointment. (laughs) Until I got you. Yeah. I'm like, what is this shit? Take it back. Okay. Okay. So Jules is wishing for a baby sister, and Bob Lazar is working at the Los Alamos... National Laboratory in Los Alamos, New Mexico. So he was a physicist there. And he was just a normal dude, except for that since he was a kid, he was super obsessed with blowing shit up and learning about how to propel different things. He liked explosions that caused things to move and just like he was super obsessed with it, had been his whole life. And in fact, while he worked at Los Alamos, he decided that it would be a super fun idea to take a jet engine and put it in his Honda. And like, yeah. So he had a regular engine in his Honda, but then he also had a jet engine in it. He did this himself and he would like go out and like smash that. Like when he would do it, like when he would like use the car with the jet engine in it. It would fucking like you could hear it everywhere, all over Alamos. You could kill yourself in that area. Yeah, he was like really intense. And so a local newspaper found out about this jet engine story, and they decided to do a story for it, and they put it on the cover of the newspaper in Los Alamos in New Mexico. So right after that paper was released Outed. to the public, there was a guy named. Edward Teller, he's known as the father of the hydrogen bomb. And he's he Father was, Teller. Yeah. Another Teller. Um, so he he was in town in Los Alamos to give a lecture at I think the college there. And so Bob, like super excited because he he was really interested in, in bombs. <laughs> this sounds terrible, but he was. Yeah. He was interested in yeah. bombs. He wanted to work on bombs. And so because he liked to blow shit up. So He's like, I need to go and see this guy. Like, I need to go and, like, see this guy give this lecture. And so he goes to the lecture, and he decides that, like, right before it's going to go on, that he's going to just step outside for a little bit before it gets started. And he looks over, and he sees that Edward Teller, the guy that's about to give the speech, is outside. He's reading the newspaper, like, wide open newspaper, and he's like, he's not thinking about the fact that he's in the newspaper at the moment. Like Bob's not thinking about the fact that he's on the cover of the newspaper. Oh, Bob's not just thinking like, about that he's in there. Yeah, it's like literally the newspaper that Bob's on the cover of that Edward Teller's reading. And Bob doesn't even think about that. He's just really excited. He wants to meet this guy really bad. So he's like, I'm just going to go and introduce myself to him and just say, hey. Okay. So doesn't even think about the fact that he's on the paper. So when Teller looks up, he's like, hey, you're the dude with the jet car. And so Teller's obviously, <laughs> in, like, you know, wants to talk to him a little bit. And so they just chat for a little bit, like not nothing too crazy. But that that was that. They just had a conversation, went really well. But, you know, just two dudes that like to blow shit up or do crazy things. So. Right. Yeah. So that was that. Moves on. No, no big deal. So eventually Bob is like he's in his early 20s he's kind of young and picky and he really is kind of like i don't know that i'm really working on stuff here at los alamos that i want to be working on and he's married at this time to a woman named carol um, who he loved very much and him and his wife carol decided that they he's gonna quit the lab 
they're going to move to Las Vegas and they're going to open up a film developing business in Las Vegas. And they started doing actually really well with this film developing. They worked a lot with realtors in the area that were taking pictures because this is back before there were, you know, like there weren't uh, digital cameras or cell phone cameras. So they had to like yeah. go take pictures, get them developed. And so Bob would go pick up the pictures from the realtors in the area bring them back, get them developed, and then deliver the pictures to the realtor. It just kind of worked with them that way. Um, and Bob and Carol okay. did really well with that business. They also, like it or not, something that comes up later, they did invest in a brothel as well, which started making them some really oh. good money. Because they're they're in the Las Vegas area, so you can have a brothel. So where it's okay. they started making, yeah, they, they were doing pretty well. Unfortunately, though, Carol ended up getting sick. And she didn't tell Bob that she was sick fully, and she just was kind of going downhill. But right before she died, she hired a woman to look like to kind of like work at their business for them. And Bob actually eventually got remarried to that woman that Carol hired. And so they pretty much were like, I've heard okay. of that happening before. Yeah, a lot goes on in his life. So yeah, he like he he they kind of were just like, oh, I think Carol knew, you know, that that this is who I was hiring and why I was hiring her. So yeah, it worked out. So eventually, Bob decides that he's gonna he like things are going well. He's working on this business with his new wife, but he decides he does want to do something maybe more normal and more sciency again. And so he's like, I'm gonna reach out to that Edward Teller guy. And be like, hey, remember me, jet engine guy? So he writes him a letter. He's like, do uh, you have any job leads for me, maybe? <laughs> you can right. help a dude out. Yeah. Kind of a long shot because he literally met the guy for like five minutes. But Teller remembered. Yeah. Teller remembered him. And, I mean, it's pretty weird for somebody to put a jet engine in their car. And so Teller reaches out to this company called EG&G on behalf of him. And... Bob ends up getting an interview for a position. I'm not really sure which, but he thought the interview went really bad. And after the interview, he gets a phone call, though. Instead of letting him down, they're like, we actually think you'd be a good fit for this different role. It would be a senior physicist role at this government area. And it's going to be super so like highly classified. You're going to have all these background checks to go through. It's going to be a process. And... Yeah, and Bob's like, well, I, he worked on top secret projects at Los Alamos. He already had a security clearance um, of a certain oh, he level. Did. Okay, he did, and so he he's like, okay, like no big deal, I can do this. So he gets hired, and before starting this background check, they take him out to so like he's familiar that there's these flights, and they call them Janet flights, and I'm not really sure why they call them Janet flights. Janet? Yeah, so they, they leave the airport in Las Vegas, and these are things that, like, people see fly, these, like, military planes flying in and out of the Las Vegas airport all the time. And so he's told that he needs to get on this, like, this plane, basically, um, and you're going to go, and they end up taking him to this remote location in the desert where they take him into, like, some type of secret government building out of the middle of nowhere. and That's shaped like a rock. Yeah. So okay. he was used to, like, what he had to do to get the first security clearance because it was pretty high. But he was told that he's going to be getting something called a majestic clearance, which they told him was 22 levels higher 
than the normal highest civilian security clearance. What? Yeah. And and then like this all like this whole story is going to sound like a bunch of bullshit. I'm going to warn you. But majestic. I'll clearance. explain later. Just give us the benefit of the doubt. Keep listening if you're not familiar with Bob. So I did look this up. Um, I found a conspiracy theorist chart of because like the the majestic clearance isn't something that anybody's confirmed exists. But where I found this majestic clearance in this thing, it's like the president is 21 levels below majestic clearance. So does this have anything to do with a God helmet? There's no God helmets here. There should be. And maybe God would tell us if this was real. But yeah, this was a different kind of situation for him. So this guy, like Bob is saying that they were asking him the names of people from his childhood, just asking these crazy amounts of information that was really, really different than what he'd ever had to give before for security clearances. And they said it might take kind of a long time for him to get this this like majestic thing. Um, like how long? Going. Because a normal security clearance can take, like, I've seen them take up to six months or more. Yeah, and this would maybe take, like, six months to a year, they thought. Okay. So it's a very long time. Um, But he did have a level of security clearance already that was pretty high, so he was able to get started on some things. He just couldn't know everything. And so Bob is waiting for the security clearance to come through. Like, he did some paperwork, probably some HR stuff. And he's got what I'm going to call his HR representative, even though I think it's just more of his manager. But, okay, so his HR representative, and that's how I refer to this guy in my notes, his name is Dennis. Um, So Dennis, the HR representative. But this guy was, like, not very nice and warm and friendly like you would get from a regular HR representative in your first name. But so he – but this guy, like, meets him out there after the Janet flight, has him fill out all the paperwork – like, including all this shit from his childhood where he's like, I don't fucking know how to answer this shit. And then they do all the paperwork, and then they're like, you're going to go back to Las Vegas now. Go home. We'll be in touch. They don't say when. They don't they don't what? give him any other. They're just like, we'll be in touch. Is he getting paid? That's an issue as well. So days later, he gets – and, like, they do tell him that it's gonna. this is going to be, like, sporadic. You're going to be on call until you get the security clearance so it's very weird like so he knows that like if he gets a phone call like he'll get a phone call it'll be like you need to be at the las vegas airport in 45 minutes from right now and this is back when you don't have cell phones too so they're just like you need to be at the airport in 45 minutes and like that's all like that's all he gets so anyway days later he gets a call in the evening telling him that he needs to come and do more stuff and like right then so like you need to go to the airport right now and get another jana flight so he gets out to the the secret base again and he goes in this room and a woman comes out and she is supposed to test him for allergens and she's super nice at least. Um, so he's chatting with her, but he's like, do you think you could tell me like what, what you're testing me for? Cause she's like, Oh, we're just testing you for some materials that you might come in contact with while you're working out here. And he's like, well, do you know what they are? And she goes, well, I know that you're going to be working with some exotic materials here. We want to make sure you're not allergic to them because other people have had allergic reactions. Um, but she just, she couldn't tell him what those substances were. Cause she said she didn't know herself. And they asked oh. him to drink a substance that he said tasted like pine saw. They wouldn't tell him oh. what it was. 
And they're just like, this is just part of the testing process. <laughs> Don't worry. Just drink this chemical concoction. Yeah. So he gets through with that part, and this is still in the same visit. So they're like, okay, here's the deal. Your security clearance isn't going to go through for a while, but we do have some briefings that you can read on the project you're going to be doing that are appropriate for somebody with your current level of security clearance. So he's like, okay, cool. So his HR representative, Dennis, like leads him into <laughs> a room with a pile full of blue folders stacked neatly on a table. The stack of folders is literally a fucking foot high. They're like, no, here's all the things you need to know. And you're going to learn more after your security clearance. But right now, this is what you're allowed to know. No. That's too much. Can you imagine like your second day of work and you're like, oh, my God, what is this? Just a little bit of a little bit of HR paperwork. Here you go. Take this. Take it home. Some light reading for when you can't yeah. sleep. It's okay. Well, he definitely can't take this stuff home. So, <laughs> yeah. So he was told, Dennis tells him, you know, like, this is all confidential. You cannot tell anybody about what you're about to read. So he's like, okay. Like, and then Dennis just like leaves him alone in the room. He picks up the first folder and it said Project Galileo on the outside. The folder explains that he is going to be back engineering a propulsion system of an extraterrestrial craft. And at first... Oh, this is just regular clearance? Yeah. Can you imagine? Okay. So like, like it's just your first, your first day, your boss just leaves and is like, okay, just catch up. And then you open it, and it's like, you're going to be working on an extra extraterrestrial spacecraft. <laughs> He's like, what the fuck does extraterrestrial mean? Like, do they mean this? He said, like, is this a precise way or is this a loose way? Is just maybe it's just something from not of this world or is it like something from a different country? Like, who's writing this and in what context are they saying extraterrestrial? Right. And so, yeah. And so and he's thinking to himself that this is maybe some kind of test that they're just is trying this before to before after E.T. was made. Um, I don't, I think this is after E.T. was made. So he would know what extraterrestrial meant. Well, he knew what extraterrestrial meant, but he just didn't know if this e. was like somebody being like flowery oh, no. in their writing or if it was real. But then he's also thinking to himself that this is a test. He's like, okay, this is a, some kind of test to see, like, am I going to go home and tell my wife about this or is word about this going to get around? Just they're trying to see if I can keep a secret. Or they're trying to see if I can wade through information or data that's seemingly irrelevant or confusing, or if I'm able to just plow ahead and keep an open mind about things. So he just, he's like, okay, this is a test if they're mean really extraterrestrial. So he's like, I think what I'm supposed to do is just keep reading ahead and not make any judgments. They're testing me right now. So I'm just going to read this shit. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm going to plow ahead and just read what they tell me to read. So there's, as he's reading through, he realizes that there's, there's no dates given about how long this project's been going on, but it's clear to him while he's reading it that it's something that they had been working on for a really long time. There's references to past attempts to understand how it worked. Attempts had been made to reproduce the system, but they all failed. He also learned that in a previous attempt that they were trying to dismantle it to see how it worked, and one of the, rep the propulsion systems had exploded completely. And which excited Bob Lazar. Yeah. And so he's thinking like he knows a little bit about these secret things. And he's like, if there was an accident of some sort, they would have had to like halt their 
efforts for a while and like their investigation so that somebody could investigate why the accident happened. So mm-hmm. all these things are making him think, okay, like this has been going on for a super long time. But as he's reading, he learns that they're hoping to duplicate the technology using existing materials and not exotic materials is what they refer to them as. Okay. So existing, not exotic. Yeah. So he's supposed to replicate, duplicate this. Just they want to be able to, to do what this thing is doing. And so Bob is getting exciting. Like, or he's getting exciting. He's getting excited. <laughs> he's getting excited. Well, because he's like, he he's really, he loves propulsion systems. And he's like, this is so cool. Like, I wanted to work on bombs, but I think this is probably a bigger deal than working on bombs. He's got a showing. Yeah. He's like, so if this is actually real, like, this is, this is <laughs> fucking wild. I mean, like, what would you, what would you do? You were in a room and like it was like you're going to be working on like an extraterrestrial spacecraft. I would be looking around to see if there was a camera on me to like see my reaction because I don't have a good poker face. I would be like, what the fuck? I would just get up and leave. I'd be like, I'm done, Dennis. Like, (sighs) get me out of here. I'm done, Dennis. I mean... I get it. I get having to keep secrets. I kind of have a job where I have to keep secrets. But not but this kind of secret. That's a different kind. Like, that'd be hard to go home and just be like, how was your day today? My I day know. was good. So far, there was an alien. Oh. Yeah. There's going to be bomb bombs. <laughs> so fucking weird. Okay. <laughs> so I'm just like, I just, as I was reading this, I was like, I don't know how I would handle this situation. I can't keep a secret like this. Let's like let's get real. Like I think I would just try to like play it cool. Yeah, like honestly, if that person that I knew that I know that worked at Area 51 like came to me and said like I saw alien spaceships when I was out at Area 51, I would tell everyone. So it's just like you would tell everyone. I'm not I'm not a secret. No, You're literally I on a podcast. I should not have a telling. secret clear. Like I shouldn't have a security. That's clearance. why he can't tell you anything. He can't tell me anything because I'm not qualified and I'm a bad can't secret tell any keeper. of us anything. Yes. Okay. Okay. So yes. anyway, he is thinking though. He's like, if this really is true, he's kind of starting to understand because he thought that he maybe wasn't qualified for this role that they had given him but now that he was reading he's like <laughs> i am kind of starting to understand why i was hired because he was kind of an out-of-the-box thinker with propulsion systems and he's like maybe they just want somebody that thinks out of the boss box a little bit so he oh, he's getting cocky yeah so he's like he's really he's into this really good at yeah. alien stuff i mean like i would also be very engaged in reading this content for me and he was as well he was just like kind of go- going through the shit and so he learned like through these briefings that there's multiple teams working on project galileo there's one team that's working on propulsion one that's working on navigation one that's working on control one that's working on mat metallurgy i don't even know what that means I'm surprised I didn't try to look it up, but I didn't. And then um, one that's working on other component elements of a flying craft. So he learns that in this project, you are not allowed to work together with these other teams that are working on different parts of it. You can't share information. Everybody needs to be separated. You cannot work as a group and you literally can only work with your like partner that you're assigned to that's working on the so part. No that teamwork. Are. No teamwork, which he is like, this is a huge disadvantage, like scientifically. And he's thinking this, he's like, that's like, you have to share 
stuff. I'm not a science person, but I understand that you'd want to get as much information as you could because you might learn something from a different part that helps you understand your part. But they can't share. Yeah, I'm share. super sciencey. So I know you're. Not. I know that's true. Or yeah, totally. I I at least understand that. So it's kind of fucking. I weird. wear a lab coat. Yeah. <laughs> you wear I a don't. lab coat at work. No, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but he does learn that if he has a question, he has to go through a chain of command to get an like, and he might get an answer for his questions, but he might not. So it's just it's. They're pretty weird. So it says that he is not to share information with anybody except his work partner. If they learned at any time that he shared information with anyone else at like at Area 51 or this is actually X4, which is outside of Area 51. But if he shared this with anyone else at work or outside of work, he'd be dismissed and potentially prosecuted. So he will kill. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. Like he'll get killed. Over alien spacecraft, for sure. So he also learned about something called Project Looking Glass, with which dealt with the material side of the craft. There was something called Project Sidekick, and it was exploring yeah. possibilities of the craft's weaponization. Sidekick? Yeah. So the information oh, seemed kind of like generic and vague, um, but it said that the craft was made almost entirely out of the same material, which was not metallic in origin, in origin, but also wasn't ceramic. So it's just some kind of weird. So it was made substance. out of pork and beans. It would make us if it's not metallic and it's not ceramic. It must be pork and beans. Where did you get that? I don't know. These I things just the come to me because I'm smart. Weird. Pork and beans. Okay, so. He's he does he's kind of feeling like he's on some kind of like emotional roller coaster while he's reading this. And he's he's like, okay, like he's like freaking out. There's so many questions going through. So he's like trying to stay calm because he's like, if I'm being tested with some bullshit right now, I like like I'm either getting tested with bullshit or I'm about to embark on like a completely new understanding of the nature of things on the planet Earth. So And you don't want to be looking dumb. Yeah, you just like there's there's a lot going on here. So so for that, you know, he wondered if this is just some kind of foreign craft that he's going to be looking at since they were dealing with the effects of the Cold War still. So they were wondering, like, like okay, did they get some kind of crazy Soviet technology that we don't understand? Obviously, there's just so many questions going through his mind. He's just, like, going crazy. And so next, he went into this folder that was labeled biology. And in this folder, he learned that the craft came from the planet Zeta Reticuli. Oh, cool. You remember Zeta Reticuli? Yeah, I do. Do you remember what it is? It's a, it's an alien planet. <laughs> it's where the, so Barney and Betty, when they, oh, yeah. when they were abducted, um, Betty said that, like, she recalled when she was hypnotized that the alien had pulled up a map of Zeta Reticuli that was like, it was like a hologram map kind of, yeah. and that she was able to draw it while she was under hypnosis, um, she didn't like she knew the name of or no, I don't think she knew the name of it, but they were there was like somebody, I think, in like a science magazine that looked at it and they made a whole bunch of different it was like a science teacher. She made a whole bunch of different things and realized that Zeta Reticuli was the only place where it could have really come from based on her map. So I got it right. So, you did. I got that answer right that it was an alien. Yeah. So planet. 
he wasn't familiar with Zeta Reticuli Sorry. at the time. He said he hadn't heard of Betty and Barney and all that stuff. And like I said, I don't think he's really into aliens necessarily. But he learned that it's 39 light years away, so you can only see it from the and you can only see it from the southern hemisphere. So okay. at that point, he's like thinking to himself, he's like, how the fuck would this even get here? Because even if it traveled at the speed of light, because like he knows all this shit, which we don't know, but mm-hmm. I guess it would take 30 years, you know, like to get there. So. Or, I mean, 39 light years away, so 39 years to get here. So, and he's also thinking to himself, he's like, if you did that, you'd need just, like, this ungodly amount of fuel to travel that far in the first place. Wait, you said 39 light years. Yeah. That's not the same as regular years. Okay, well, I don't fucking know, but he said it would take more I'm than 30 years to get there. I'm not but I know there. that. That's not the I same don't know, but he also, years. like, for sure, yeah, you need, like, a ton of fuel to get. Yeah, a lot to get there and then he's also thinking like how would life be maintained on a craft for that long without food and water and it just is crazy and so he gets to this page in it and it has a photo and it's a close-up of what he perceives to be a humanoid organism the photo showed what he interpreted as a torso so it's like zoomed in so he can't see the head or anything below the waist it had like a whitish gray skin. There was a T-shaped incision that ran nearly the entire vertical length of the tr- like the torso with um, a shorter horizontal line at the top, a major cut line. So if you're familiar, like I think that's how they do autopsies, right? It's like a T-shaped like an autopsy cut. T-cut. Yeah. So the skin In is- my head, I was thinking that you were going to say there was a close-up. And the first thing that popped in my head was a nose hair. <laughs> Why? I don't know. There were not any nose hairs. But it did have white gray skin. I think we've heard about Typical. Mm -hmm. Typical Typical aliens. And, yeah, so. Zeta reticulitis. Yeah. So this white gray skin, it's kind of pulled back, obviously, on this cut. And instead of seeing, like, organs inside of it, it's like this undifferentiated mush. mass of tissue that's just like filling See, the cavity mush. yeah it's just like a goo or i don't know if it was a goo it's, it's just like, like mashed potato it's organ. just like a it's like like the whole inside of it was like a singular organ or something i'm not really sure it's fucking weird and maybe there was like who who fucking knows what's in there but i'm mash thinking to potatoes. myself at this point like if there's no organs there's no intestines no wonder they're so fucking interested in our buttholes yeah. Because that's it. That's all I got. Yeah. Like, they're like, what the fuck? They're looking at us. They're like, what the fuck is going on with these with these? Well, they want to know why we have individualized pieces inside of us. Yeah. And why they work all together. Why don't you just have a goo? Yeah. And our butthole is like the, I mean, like that's the portal. It's the inside. It's a portal. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I'm sure that's it's how the outward, of It's it. the portal out. Well, I mean, it's just like it's one of the holes, so they're just kind of interested in it. Because they have like little mouths, but I don't think they have buttholes. So but they're probably just wondering, they, like, they're they like, well, we have... know how they use their mouth, but we don't know, like, what is this butthole thing about? Then how do they generate energy? We don't know. We don't, there's so much we need to know about how they're generating energy. So, okay. Let's move on, though. So 
The next page is a similar photo. There's like space for notes on it though. And there's like a bunch of stuff written about the lack of organs on that next page. And then like, he's just, he's like thinking to himself, he's like, why would they include that in my briefing if I'm working about propulsion? So he's like, really at this point, he's like, they're, they're fucking with me. Like, this is definitely a test. This is fucking weird. So his brain is like going into overload though. And he said that he's he's like, as I'm reading through this, I'm kind of like losing touch with the reality a little bit because he doesn't know. He's like, was that he's like, I don't know if I was reading for five minutes or five hours. I just I was starting to kind of like lose it and just like going through these pages and going through these pages. And wow. he just doesn't even like know what to do. He's like got these questions just piling up on top of one another in his mind. And he's just like, how am I going to put all these pieces together? And I like, when am I going to be able to ask more questions? When am I going to learn more? He's just fucking spinning in his head. Eventually, Bob is interrupted from his reading, and his HR representative, Dennis, brought him back. Like He's like, okay, we're, <laughs> we're going to go somewhere else. I don't even know if he was through all his papers, but whatever. So he's like, we're going to take you. Of course we're gonna he go wasn't. He was a foot tall. Yeah. He's like, we're going to go meet your partner in the laboratory. So Ooh. they go down the hall, and he's led into the lab, and he meets his lab partner named Barry Castillo, or Castillo maybe. Not really sure if he's... Costello? Well, it's like C-A-S-T-I-L-L-O. So I think like it might be Castil- Castillo, but it could be Castillo if he was Hispanic. I'm just saying. We don't know. I'm not going to try. Yeah. So Dennis is like, Barry here is going to bring you up to speed. Barry and Bob, they nerd bond right away. Like as soon as Dennis walks away, oh, Barry is like good. super fucking pumped to show Bob what they're going to be working on. So. Cool. Barry is like, come on over here. So he shows him this is like a cylinder and it's about the size and shape of a kitchen garbage can. It okay. is pooter colored. And next to that, I wrote. You said pooter? Pooter. It's pewter. It's pewter. Pewter. It's pewter. <laughs> Fucking no. I wrote next to that. I was like, what does that mean? I don't. You guys, I don't do colors. Like, Peter. give me a basic color name, but if you're so just you trying to say, like, pewter or periwinkle or something, I don't fucking know what that shit means. Is periwinkle you purple? Yeah, you, you call me pewter. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Oh my god, periwinkle is like bluish purple. I, see, oh my god. I learned something. I knew something. It's just like <laughs> fucking no. It's dark You're gray. Okay, tell you that like twenty times in your life. Get over with it. I don't fucking care. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> we can. Okay, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I should have just said dark gray, man. After I looked it up. Okay, so dark you gray really cylinder, should. size and shape of a garbage can. Okay, let's move on. So this thing has no seams, no welds, no fasteners, no sharp edges, no marks at all on it. It didn't appear to have been cast, machined, molded, formed, or joined in any way. This is just fucking solid. So Barry explains to him that it's an emitter. And Bob is just kind of confused. He's like, like, what is it emitting? But he's like, okay, whatever. So then... Barry leads him over to this half sphere of about the same material. And it is the size of a basketball or like half a basketball, basically. 
We have our metal, like our metal but not metal garbage can, right? Okay. So the cylinder. And then there's a half sphere. A half sphere. <laughs> yes. Half sphere. Half sphere. Sphere. Okay, can I, t- I have to take a quick moment. What was it? Okay. Okay. Well. So there's a sign that's on like the smaller highway that runs kind of near my house. And it says rural mutual audit. But I thought it said rural mural. (laughs) Like, I know you don't watch that. You'd never watch 30 Rock. So you don't know about rural juror. But like, it was, it's really okay. I want you to try to say rural mural. Rural mural. Rural mural. Rural mural. Rural mural. It was hard to say this morning in my head when I said it. So I just wanted to say that. Okay. So. All right. Half sphere that is made of the same material. It's about the size of a basketball. And then it's sitting like on. So it's sitting on this like one inch plate with the same thing. No seams, no welds, nothing. Barry explains that this half sphere thing was like was a reactor. Then when he lifted the half sphere, there was a small tower shaped object inside of it. It was about six inches tall. And on top of that was a cap with well-rounded corners inside of a 90, like instead of a 90 degree angle. So I guess in my mind, I'm thinking like a tower shaped object with a cap on it. Like a toy. And I just was like, was it like shaped like a dick? Like that's what I thought to myself. <laughs> but he didn't say it was phallic. So I don't know. It just looks like a little ta- like a little tower toy. Well, I don't know. It's like an I don't it's just tower shaped. So I'm not really like sure. A key? I don't know. But that's what it was. And so <laughs> he takes okay so like it's got that thing so barry takes a small triangle shaped disc from inside of this metal box that is sitting on his desk and he places it into the tower somehow and then he replaces the cap and he puts the half sphere back on the base and then he starts like pushing it across the desk towards the emitter so this like the cylinder garbage can shaped thing Mm -hmm. so He's showing Bob at this point that they're unable to touch. And Bob is just kind of like, this seems kind of silly to Bob. Because he's like, it looked like he was like, like going to, because I think like Barry was trying to touch it once he put them toward, like together. He put them together. And then Barry was like going to go touch it. And it looked like he was like touching it. And then it was like moving his hand away. And Bob's like, it just looked like he like went to shake its hand and like changed his mind and pulled <laughs> his hand back. He's like, this is kind of stupid. But then he's like, okay, dude, try try it. Try to touch it. And so Bob tries to touch it. But when he's within eight or nine inches of it, he feels this force pushing his hand away from oh. this thing. He said it kind of felt like like when like two powerful magnets are repelling from one another. Mm-hmm. It was like that, except for he's not a magnet. And this thing isn't either. And the dick is like, get back. And the dick is like, please move back, sir. And so Barry explains to him, like, he explains it basically that it's anti-gravity, which, to Bob's knowledge, was only a hypothetical idea in his understanding of the world. He's like, that's science fiction. 
That's not right. real. Anti-gravity is not. Like, that's from a comic book. And Bob did remember that it wasn't the briefings, but he kind of skimmed through that part because he was like, this is bullshit. It was one of the parts where mm-hmm. he was, like, not super interested. But so Barry's still pretty excited. So he decides that he's he's like, okay, like, we're we're going to do a, an experiment, basically. And so he picks up, Barry, like, picks up this golf ball that he's got. And he just fucking, like, chucks it at this thing. And when it gets within, like, the eight to nine inch area, it fucking, like, goes crazy. It, like, shoots up and, like, hits the ceiling. And it's, like, a false ceiling. And so, like, it hits the ceiling. Like, a bunch of shit, like, rains down on them. Basically, like, <gasps> dust and shit. And then Bob said that he he was, like, it was, like, kind of weird, like, considering what I was seeing. But I was, like, we need a broom and a dustpan. Like, he was all awkward, like, trying to oh. clean it up before they got in trouble because he thought he was going to get, like, pulled away. And so... Like, they go through that. Barry shows them some other stuff. He shows, like, it's able to, like, to bend light, which I thought that was a thing. But I guess, like, we can change the direction light is traveling by reflecting it, but we're not bending it. And the only thing that actually... the aliens can? Can we what? But the aliens can bend it? I guess. Like, this thing is bending light. And I guess that only gravity can bend light. And I don't really fully understand this, but I guess, like, if you're bending light, you're bending time. No. That's what the science scientists said. I don't understand any of that. But it's becoming clear at this point to Bob that this thing is producing gravity or anti-gravity somehow despite not being gigantic like the earth he's like what the fuck what the fuck is this so light is time i guess i don't i'm not the person to ask and they didn't get like a lot of the stuff that he explains in a way that i can kind of understand but that is one part where i just like and they mention it multiple times throughout the book that like they're bending time essentially. So like he said that like so how he explained how this works at one point is that and I'm probably going to do a piss poor job of explaining this. Um I would absolutely recommend that even if you're not willing to read his book like that you listen to some of the interviews that he's done. He did a pretty good one on Joe Rogan even though he had a migraine and he was a little bit off. He was talking about it cuz he doesn't really like to talk a lot to people but um he doesn't like to talk a lot to he doesn't i don't think that he wants any of this but so he was on joe rogan's podcast um and then there is a documentary about him that was done in the last couple years by jeremy corbell that's a good one too but the way that he like said so like he said that this thing basically how it works is if you were to like let's say you like push down let's like they're like a blanket on your bed right And you push down on your bed and you push down into it and that moves the blanket toward you instead of and Mm -hmm. like the blanket's going to touch you. It's going to move closer to you because you press down on it and created that pull and that energy to pull it in toward you instead of you having to move your hand toward it. And that's kind of how this thing is working in a way. It's so it's like when you bend time, then that 39 light years isn't so long yeah exactly like they're bending time to get there is what he's kind of like what he comes up with at some point but so if um, you do like a pillsbury poke yeah you do a pillsbury poke into the universe with this into the belly button of time yeah and then it 
squishes and like the top of the belly and the bottom of the belly touch each other. And yes. normally <clears throat> it would have taken you like however many finger crawls up the belly to get from point A to point B. But now if you just poke the belly, they go boom and they touch each other. Yeah, basically. I'm a scientist. You are a scientist. So, yeah. So they're going through this stuff, though. And Bob also finds out that Barry has no idea how this works. Like, he's like, I know how to make it work and how to put it together. Like, I was told. He's like, but other than that, like, I don't know. He's like, this is this is fucking weird. And as I was reading this, too, it just like this all just reads like some kind of like it almost like read like a terrible science fiction novel. That was like written yes. by a science nerd. Except like while I'm going through it, like I had, I already I mean like I had listened to Bob Lazar talk before and I had seen things about him, and I do believe it's real. Um, like when when you see him talk, like like I just like you know when you talk to somebody and you can kind of tell that they're an exaggerator and they're kind of dramatic and they make things in a more like yeah. it's kind of like a look at me look at me kind of person. Mhm. Right? That is really not the not the vibe that I get from this guy. He I mean like he says outright he's like if I wish that you guys didn't believe me because people would leave me the fuck alone. Um I'll explain like why he decided to even come out and talk about this in the first place cuz he obviously shouldn't have. But just uh yeah i like it this whole thing just it reads like like some kind of terrible anticlimactic like science fiction novel written by a science nerd that's what it comes across as to me at first except for i'm like this is probably real he talks a lot about this and he like is talking about how i guess this would be giving off a lot of heat like there's no energy that we know of right now on earth besides this thing that like if you're creating energy there's heat or like if there's right. energy there's like if you're propelling something or moving it away there should be heat that's coming off of it and there's not there's no heat coming off of this and so, so that kind of was energy. just kind of yeah so this this kind of blowing his mind and like a lot of this conversation he explains like what that he had with barry it's like this went against everything that he knew about science and physics this is like a like, like, what the fuck is going on here? Because I, I know all these things and I just can't. And so he's getting super excited, though, at this point. He's like, obviously, he had wanted to work on the bombs, but he's like, this could help the government and the military produce a gravitational field that could create, like, super insane weapons, propulsion systems, energy production. He realized that he also realized at this point that if technology like this got into the wrong hands, it would be really, really bad. So he does understand why. You know, like, he understands why we can't tell the world exactly about this technology. And he understands why they're keeping it mm -hmm. secret. So Barry told him, you know, that um, that right before that Barry had been hired, that someone had lost their life working on the project. So I'm guessing that's when they tried to disassemble oh, no. it. Something exploded and somebody died. So they know that they're not allowed to, t to, like, they're not supposed to take it apart at all. They're not supposed to try to take it apart. Don't touch the dick. Yeah. Like, don't touch the, don't try to, like, take the dick apart. Like, only use it how you know it works. <laughs> right? No disassembling. So, no Lorena Bobbitts. And. Right. Yeah. So, that night, they, they like, kind of go on their night. He doesn't even know how long he's supposed to be there, but eventually Dennis comes and gets him. And Barry's going to keep working. 
he goes home and he can't talk to anybody about it. But he continued to keep Wait, working. did he have to take another Janet flight? Yeah, you take a Janet flight back and forth. Do you think that that's why in The Good Place, the TV show, that they named her Janet? I think there was a reason that they named her Janet. Like, I think it stood for something. Oh. I named one of the chickens Bad Janet. <laughs> and now the black chickens, we just Janet. refer to them as the Janets. The Janets. Yeah. Oh my God. That's hilarious. Okay. Janet. Anyway. Yeah. I don't know. So Bob continued after this, like, to irregularly report to work. Like I said, like, it just, they'll call him and they'll be like, be at the airport now. Go. And so he'd have to go. And so he's still working on the, the photo business, but his wife is primarily working on that. But it does start to kind of weigh on their marriage. So, um, his second wife, like, that he was married to at this point, like, she worked on their business, but then she also was working at an airfield, and she was taking flight classes as well. So she's pretty busy, too. Um, and he's getting... What happened to the brothel? I think that's just, like, a he invested in that, so he doesn't have to do anything for that. And that's okay, like, with his background check back then? I, I don't know. I'm not really sure. Like, I know that it's used... I think there was, like, some kind of illegal brothel that he... Um, was involved with as well later on and so that's one of the things that people try to like I think it was afterward or maybe he got into trouble with this that wasn't operating properly or something but um, it's one of the reasons that people will try to discount you know like what he said about what he experienced George Knapp had a different take on it I'll kind of get into that um, in our second episode of this um, some of the reasons okay. that people think that he's lying and then um some of the rebuttals for that as well. So um, I will say that I'm I'm biased. I do believe him, like, based more on a gut feeling. Obviously, we would never know if this was real or not. There's no way for us to really know unless the government came out and said it was. So, um, you hear that, government? Yeah. So, but, yeah, he gets, like, called in irregularly. So it's just, like, all over the place. It's not good. It's running him ragged a little bit, too, because sometimes it would be, like, at night where – like, it would be, like, 8 o'clock at night, and they'd be, like, come now. Or it'd be, like, 10 o'clock oh, at night or 11 no. o'clock at night, and they'd be, like, time, time to go. So things just aren't really going great. He's kind of distracted at home. Um, he's hoping every time the phone rings. Like, he's distracted in a good way. Like, he's tired from doing this, but he also – he's so obsessed with the work that he's just, like, every time the phone rang, like, he really wanted it to be them telling him, like, go to McCarran, the airport there, hop on a flight right now, come to work. He like that's like his secret mistress. Yeah, he like like so he's super distracted. That's all he's thinking about is getting these phone calls and leaving all the time, which I'm sure doesn't look great to his wife. And no, yeah. So and at work, like he continues to work with Barry, but they're kind of nerd out that they had at first. Like they were pretty all business, so there were armed guards with them all the time. The armed guards would even accompany them into the bathroom. Ah. So you're like taking a piss in front of people. And so there is this one night um, where his HR representative did take him through a hangar. And within it was a cylindrical craft typical of flying saucers. So there's an inverted American flag on its side. And he realizes that this is an experimental craft. So it's kind of trying to mimic one of the crafts that they have in their possession and he doesn't even why know why did like, they have to have the flag backwards i'm not really sure i'm really not sure 
but it was. And so he did, like, as they were walking through it, you know, like, how you, like, look at something and you want to touch it. And he, like, put up his hand to touch it. And, like, he got yelled at, like, real bad by one of the security guards when he tried to touch the craft. Yeah. And so it's, like, whatever. At this point, he didn't even know. Like, he wasn't actually at Area 51. Like, he's out in that area. But he doesn't even, like, know what the name of the place he's going to is or exactly where it is. It's just, like, he gets on this flight and he gets there and he walks into this door in the desert, right? So And there he is. Yeah. But eventually he learns that he's the place he's working at is called S4. And um, so that's just one thing to know. And so um, through their work, though. Just one thing to know. Just one thing to know <laughs> as we get. Well, because okay. I guess, like, one of the things that people say is that he didn't ever work out there in the first place. But like as like he knew about this area S four and talked about it, and the military wasn't admitting that S four existed, but then afterward, eventually they did admit that S four exists. So like how how did Bob know about Area S four if he wasn't going there to work in it? Because they're gonna it's say true. later that he never worked there. So yeah, yeah. So just like how did he know anyway? So. So they do keep Bob and Barry keep working on it. They're det- able to determine that, um, like what's fueling the propulsion was not a compound of multiple elements, but a singular element. However, the singular element is one that has not yet been identified, and it is actually element one fifteen, which didn't exist at that time. We know about area one fifteen, or not area, element one fifteen. Um, on the periodic table now, but in 1989, we didn't know about element 115. And apparently it's only like they've been able to make a stable version on earth of element 115, but it's a little, literally they can only keep this element together for like milliseconds. They can keep it stable enough to like have it. I don't know how all that works, but Apparently, it's just not something that really can be created on Earth that we know of right now. So he's saying that, like, they know it's made out of this element 115. So Bob's also at this point, like, starting to get fearful every day. Like, he's excited to go to work, but he's also scared when he's at work. He's worried about getting blown up. He's worried about fucking something up and not having a job. They're also like putting a ton of pressure on him and Barry to make some progress to do this. Like every day they're like, how come you haven't fucking figured it out yet? And they're like, like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, this is like, this is not how many years has it been that we know it's like just months, like just right away. There's just all this intense pressure. Bob only worked out there for six months total. So like, this is all just like very, very fast considering that they've been working on this probably for a super long time so yeah so he's just like things are not going well he's getting really unfocused at home but he's super focused at work is how he like described it so so when he gets flown out there does he stay for x amount of time it like would vary home so i guess that like the people that were like the people that had the security clearance they lived out there so like barry lived out at the base and i think he got to go home on weekends and they would just be there all the time working nonstop. bob would just be like be out there he wouldn't know how long he was supposed to be out there and they would just be like okay it's time to go time to leave time to go time to leave So how could he get anything done i mean you just work and you like they just did experiments basically too because you just Every day they're doing different experiments. Okay. 
I don't fucking know. But things started getting weird at home, too. So his wife realized at one point that they were being watched by two men parked down the block. And he didn't really put the pieces together at first, but then suddenly he realized he's like, oh, they're probably working on my security clearance. This is probably part of it. He mm-hmm. did know that they were going to – I don't think he even told his wife, but he knew that they were going to, like, tap his phone and be looking into things. Like, he knew that this was just sure. part of the deal. And so, like, eventually, though, you know, like, things are kind of weird out there. But even without the security clearance, um, they did eventually – convince HR representative Dennis that seeing the entire craft would be extremely helpful for them, um, hoping that that would help them kind of figure things out because they couldn't share knowledge with the other teams. And so Dennis thinks about it. It does take him some time, but eventually Dennis is able to arrange it. And so Bob and Barry are taken to a different part, like this hangar, like a different hangar than what they were in before with that other craft. And they brought them out there to see the craft and witness test flights. So Bob describes the craft as an inverted soup bowl resting atop a second one. So like, you know, flying saucer. Like flying we're used to. saucer. Yeah. So there was no landing gear or other structure that might have supported its weight while on the ground. So it's just literally just sitting on the right. ground. Um like in the, you know, like horizontal uh, and not okay. a different way. So he said it was about 50 feet in, like approximately 50 feet in diameter and 20 feet tall, um, where the two like soup bowls would meet. The outside of the craft had kind of a rounded rim before the curves rose and fell to the narrow, like fell into the narrower top and bottom. There were there was no seam where the two halves of the craft met. He didn't see any seams at all on the entire craft. The exterior had no lines, no welds, no fasteners or rivets that he could see. He was able to touch it, and he said it felt like metal, kind of cool to the touch, but very very smooth. It's but nobody dark. got to go inside. Um, yeah, so it's dark aluminum in color, and like monochromatic across the surface, except for. Four black rectangles near the top of the upper dome portion. There's a small hatch that was only wide enough for Bob to put his shoulders through with a fraction of an inch to spare. And he could not stand up straight in the craft. Um, Bob's not a big guy. He's pretty he's pretty lanky, tall, skinny guy. So mm-hmm. just a very small hole. Um, he said he was able to get up into it and maneuver on all fours. He's kind of like hunched. And um, the interior, he said, was also seamless, all rounded surfaces, no sharp edges anywhere, same material as the outside of the craft. And he said that it seemed like it was almost like it had been fabricated from melted wax and then cooled into the shape that it was in. Or like now they describe it almost like it had been like 3D printed in a way. Like molded. But yeah, like of this different thing. And so Like a poured mold kind of? Yeah, something like that. So I guess there were there were three seats in it. He said that they were kind of like Scandinavian type chairs without legs. Um, and they kind of there was like a rounded flower petal kind of thing. He said like more cupped than a tulip, but almost like a tulip, these weird chairs inside. Um there were only like 
dimly reflective lights inside. Like it was really dim and it was like it had kind of a matte finish on the stuff that was inside. There were no restraint systems for the chairs. There's no vents inside. There's no bathrooms, no light switches, no dials, no displays or anything of that sort. Yeah. There was a length on their brain. Yeah. There was a length of pipe that came down from the ceiling and exited through the floor. And then there was a second level. And I guess that he was told or knew somehow that the propulsion system was in that second level. And I guess there is a third level where he and Barry thought the pilot probably sat, but he wasn't able to look at it. He wasn't able to get up there. So he estimated that the size of the beings who would have fit into this thing would be like the size of like a six or seven year old child. That's creepy as that's mm-hmm. ew. Yeah, so seeing this for the first time, um, this solidified for him that this was not like that that this this he just couldn't imagine that this could have been made by humans and like knowing the technology that we currently have. That he was aware that we had. I, I'm gonna have weird dreams about it now. Mm-hmm. I always have dreams that I have to get into some other level of something and like fit through a small opening and I'm claustrophobic and those are horrifying and dreams. it's gonna be an alien craft tonight I don't I don't want that I know so sometimes we think about these things like I've heard people say that we had these like this craft because of a crash or like maybe like this came from Roswell or something but there's no Mm -hmm. evidence of a crash on this um this flying saucer that he's seeing so like they captured someone yeah there's no like it's not it doesn't look like it was hurt you know like the the craft was fully intact with no damage to it so yeah this is the only time that he was ever able to like touch and inspect the craft closely um, there was another time shortly thereafter that they got to see it do a test flight. But in this situation, they're just kind of brought into this hangar. But it was atta- – so this hangar that they're in, though, to see it, it's attached to, like, other hangars. So I think there's, like, walls inside. I think about, like, like garages, like, almost kind of, like – what I was thinking in my brain is kind of, like, like when you go to the car wash and there's, like, at the end there's doorways, you know, and you could see through to the other things if you looked. Yeah. Okay. So he said that he can see into other hangars and that from where he was, he could see eight other similar craft, like similar shapes, but a little bit different. And they're all kind of slightly larger than the one that Bob and Barry were looking at and were likely working on. They were not able to get close to or inspect the other craft. They did do a lot of alien ships. They were able to see they did like a light test is what they called it or like a low test or whatever so this thing was going to lift off and so when it lifted off they could hear a loud hissing sound and there was like low emission coming from the craft which led bob to believe for some reason that i don't understand that photons were being like expelled from it Um, when it got about 30 to 40 feet above the ground the hissing wasn't audible anymore it was that quiet um and as it rose, it tilted to become vertical rather than horizontal. 
So it wasn't like how it sat on the ground. It like tilted up, which I've heard uh, when people say that they see flying saucers and that you can kind of like see it in videos out there that they they tilt up and they don't actually fly like sideways or horizontal like we see um, pictures of them depicted. Like all the way vertical or just slightly? I think it's kind of like slanted a little bit, but I think it's almost vertical. So it could like slice through the universe. Yeah, so he sees this flight. Um this little flight here. I think this was like on a second occasion that wasn't the same as the one where he just got to like touch it and get up in it. Because he said he didn't even know who was flying it or anything like that. Yeah, who so, do they get to fly um, it? Teeny tiny. Somebody people. that he thought maybe was like sitting on their butt or something. I don't know. So he's he's not sure. He still doesn't know. He also said that they were communicating with somebody in it. And he was like, there's no way that he just didn't think that radio waves would be able to like get in and out of the craft. It was very confusing to him. But anyway, so he sees this test flight. And after this test flight, he goes home back to Las Vegas like he had been doing for the last six months. But he just stops getting phone calls from EG&G to come into work. It just completely stopped. What? Yeah. And so... His wife seemed like she's super occupied with her flying lessons and her social life. And she would ask him why he was upset, but he couldn't answer, of course. And his home was continuing to be surveilled. Like, there's still people sitting outside in cars. But it had been, like, at this point, like, a couple weeks pass. And he's just, like, he's like, what the fuck? He's getting super paranoid. He's not sure what to do. And he starts. Do they pay him? And he hasn't been paid at this point either. Not once? Not once. And it's been six months. What? Yeah. So eventually he's just like, he's not sure what to do. And he doesn't know a lot about these cops that are following him. So um, there was one point, too, where him and Tracy was his wife's name. It wasn't. Yeah, it was Tracy. I think I said <laughs> you're Terry like, you're or like, Tammy. You're like, is it Tammy? It was Tracy. So you guys know I have a, name I knew it would be 80s. written some here. I was like, these are all kind of like, you know, okay. like names yeah. of people who would have been young adults in the 80s. Okay. So he's getting paranoid. Eventually, he just decides he's going to like, he called the cops because these guys are talking to him. Um, the cops came, talked to the guys that were parked outside of his house, but they never followed back up with Bob afterward. They just were like, the guys never left, kept following him. The police wouldn't tell him anything. So he's just getting – he's getting, like, starting to feel a little bit weird. At one point, there was somebody that did come to the house. Like, Bob and his wife, like, had had some people over there thinking about selling the business that they had. Yeah. And they had a couple of friends that were maybe interested in buying it. So they came over just to kind of see the equipment and learn a little bit more about it. While the friends are over, the like, this guy from, that like, this government agency that was doing the background check – showed up and like ransacked like not like they respectfully went through all their stuff but they were just like no we're here we're looking through all your stuff right now and he's like i have like these friends over and like they're like no this is the time we're gonna go through all your stuff like all your bedroom your drawers your wife's underwear drawer everything so that's like got himself into yeah it's fucking weird so and he remembered that dude's name um and that was one of the things that's kind of verified later too so um so just things are getting real weird. Uh, there was one day where he went to the gym, and as he was leaving the gym, he found his vehicle, like, sitting out there 
with the doors wide open. And it was like he had kind of like a fancy expensive vehicle because he's making pretty good money at this point. It's not the jet car. But yeah, so like he knew he locked his car always because it was like Las Vegas and it's a fancy car. But he comes back out. His doors are just like wide open. Sitting just like it was just kind of the sign that's like we're here. We're watching you kind of thing. He tries to call his HR representative, Dennis, and Dennis is not returning his phone calls. And he's just like getting more and more paranoid. Like he really wants to keep working on this project. He's like, but he's like, if my employment's ending and I know all this stuff, like, are we in danger right now? Like, are they watching me to see what I'm going to do? Like, What the fuck is going on? And so he's just like thinking, he's like, I don't, I don't know. He's like, are they just going to grab me one day and take me on the desert, make it look like a suicide or something? And so he's so paranoid. And like, granted, like he is also in his, he's in his late twenties. He's pretty young at this point too. Oh, I didn't realize he was that young. Yeah. He's very young still in this. And so I think he was like 29 at this point or 28 or something. So he's getting, he's getting really worked up and he's getting in his head, just spinning and spinning and spinning. And he knows he's not supposed to tell anybody, but he's like, I feel like I need to tell somebody. So if I disappear, that somebody somebody knows knows what happened to me and to look into it. So he has this friend that is a realtor and this guy is like a big time realtor that works with, um, like with high big clients. So, um, we'll talk about (laughs) some of those big, big big clients, but he, he essentially like sometimes like he'll, he'll like sell like the properties of billionaires. Okay. So this is the kind of people that, that Gene's familiar with. So he tells his friend Gene and he's like, and Gene is like, uh, if anybody else told me all of this stuff, I would have been like, what the fuck is wrong with you? He's like, but you're this is liar. Bob telling me this, and I believe it. And so um, Bob did stick to the basics of what he had seen himself, and he did not share anything from the briefings at all. He just kind of was like, I've been working on this craft. This is what I've seen. These are the weird propulsion things. Like, doesn't really talk about aliens or the alien pictures or anything like that. Um, just kind of keeps it really basic to this craft that he's working on. And that is something that when Bob talks, like, he'll – he really doesn't – like, if there's something that's – not you know like stuff that he he won't guess on anything he's like i just really only want to stick to the basics of what i know and what i've seen and doesn't want to make any like he doesn't speculate about other things it's very solid and straight through and it's been that way since 1989 so he's just like freaking out so he does get check at this point in the mail and it's for less than a thousand dollars. It's like nine hundred and fifty some dollars. What? And that's all he's been no. paid so far. So after he talks to Gene, you know, Gene Does it asks say him, anything on it. I think or it was just, it just from G and G or something, or I don't really know. But yeah, not even a thousand dollars. But he just he makes money somewhere else, so he was just excited to be working on this. I think, and was kind of willing to be patient. So, yeah, so when he gets home, he does end up talking to his wife about what had been going on. And he tells her all this stuff, and she's like, fuck, dude, like, what's going on? And then finally, so he had met um, a billionaire through Gene at one point. He went with Gene to this house um, Mm -hmm. one day to take some pictures. And this friend is actually John Lear. He's a billionaire, and his dad was the guy that invented the Learjet. 
Okay. So um, casual. Yeah. So John Lear is actually super into UFOs, like super, super into UFOs where Bob's like about, you know, like all about green aliens and and all that kind of stuff. So obviously John Lear was like very receptive to this stuff. Um, So he's just telling everybody now at this point. Yeah. He tells these like three. I mean, like he tells his wife and two friends because he's afraid that they're going to murder him at this point. He's just really getting in his head. And so. Days later, um, he decides he's going to call Gene and he leaves Gene a message on his message on his answering machine using kind of a funny nickname that he had for Gene. And um, after he leaves the message, like moments later, his house is like descended upon by men in suits, not like (gasps) moments, but like probably within the hour. So these men in suits come into his home. They interrogate him about the phone call at his own kitchen table. They're like, what is this name code for that you used for your friend? And Bob is like, he knew that his house was tapped already, but he was just like kind of amazed. He knew that it was part of the background check, but he's like really amazed at how quickly they showed up after yeah. he made this. Like, this is fucking freaked out. But he was like, he was like, guys, dude, like this is just literally funny nicknames that we have. Like, doesn't give anything up at this point. And Bob, Bob is just like, after this, he's just fucking done. He's just like, I just needed to know at that moment, like, yes or no, would I still be working there? He knew that the security clearance would take a lot of time, but he, he's like, I just don't know why they're going to start me at work, show me this test flight, and then just right after I've seen this test flight, they just fucking stop calling me? Yeah. Like, did they decide that Ghosted. I shouldn't have known about it and they're about to murder me? What's going on? He's just getting really paranoid. So he decided, like, he's like, we need, I need to give them some proof as well, my friends and, like, my wife, that I'm telling the truth um, to they have some kind of, like, because, like, people are going to think they're crazy, too, if I disappear. So he decides, like, he knows at this point that they do these test flights regularly on Wednesday evenings, like, late at night okay. when it's dark. And so he decides that he's, like, he's, like, it's in the middle of the desert. We can get out there. And it's not on it's on public land. He's like, he's like, we'll be able to see from public land. And so um they go like at this point too, I guess that he said that they stopped following him around, but they were still parked outside of his house. Um, but they did like I think like his wife took one car and then like um Gene rented a car and then Bob took like some other vehicle and like they they all like drove all around the place like trying to do and then they like met up and they took and, like John Lear was there with his Winnebago, which I'm guessing was like a giant fucking Winnebago because like a fancy one right. because he was a billionaire. So they're probably a jet fuel. Yeah. And they, they do take like a weird path like they stop and get gas at one point, but they like they tar- take like a weird path. They try to make sure there's nobody following them. They don't think anybody is. So. They drive out to the perimeter of the base, and they also brought along John's fancy-ass telescope because he's a billionaire. So they also brought along a 1990s camcorder. This is, or this is like yes. 1989, so I guess like late 80s camcorder. So okay. they are on a public road on public land, so they're hoping it would be impossible for someone to tell them that they couldn't be there. Um, there had been reports of like from other people out in that area saying that they had seen strange lights at night out there and so mm-hmm. they're just like we'll just pretend like we're out there looking like we saw something you know so they have a telescope and binoculars and they watch the test flight that night 
Um, they could mostly only see lights, but the maneuvers that the lights were making were like not like anything any aircraft of that day or even now could do. And you hear that kind of explained by a lot of people that say that they see strange things like when when it's kind of like when they admit that there's and like this is what you'll hear from I'm not talking like speaking very clearly, but like the the tic tac video as an example that the government oh, has yeah. admitted is a thing. The way that it's moving isn't in a way that an aircraft that we have made can move. It can like zigzag and cross and then there's no like inertia that's slowing it down or anything like that. It just like bounces around in the sky. And that's how this was described. Tracy was just like super quiet the whole time, just like what the fuck is going on? But like they're all just like watching in amazement, like with huge smiles across their face, like, oh my fucking God, this is crazy. So they they watch everything um, and then they head back to Las Vegas. And I think that John Lear was like losing his mind and like video recording it and like talking over the video, like just fucking losing his mind. Yeah. The next Wednesday, they go out there again with another friend i'm pretty sure that this other friend that came along was billionaire robert bigelow i think like they don't name him in the book and they just say a different one but i think that either george knapp or knapp or robert bigelow himself said that they were out there i think robert bigelow admitted that he was out there once with with bob lazar and i know that they know each other so i'm assuming that probably he met him through either gene or through john robert bigelow so anyway they go out there with another friend um they see the same thing they don't get caught again and then bob like through this though is like continuing to try to contact his hr representative dennis he's still not getting any answer <laughs> and then just a couple days later suddenly he does get a phone call that he needs to go to the airport the next day to go out to s4 so he just like finally gets this phone call yeah and so he's kind of thrown off because he's not used to being called and told to go the next day and he's kind of like what the fuck is this like why are they saying the next day they're used to just like telling me and i just snap and do it and he just decides he's like fuck it i'm not going and he didn't go i'm not going yeah he's like they didn't tell me what was going on and why they weren't contacting me i'm not going to tell them either what i'm doing like i'm done He's just over it. I think he's just being don't like just a break up with um, us dude. I know. So doesn't go. And then the next Wednesday he goes out to look at the test flight again with. So this time, like, and this keeps getting like bigger. Like he's definitely not making great decisions here. So, um, no. so this time Gene went the friend from the last time who was not being named, AKA pretty sure Robert Bigelow and then his wife and his wife's sister go out this time. Oh, damn. So they go out there. They get all set up. It's super dark out. Um, they can't really see much at all. Like, it's super, super dark. And then so they're out there, and suddenly they hear this, like, thud on the ground, and they see a greenish round light rolling in front of them, like, across the ground. And then all of a sudden headlights of a vehicle turn on like just 20 feet away from where they're standing and these like lights are showing on them and then as this is happening bob realizes what's going on he just like goes and like hides off in like the like the bush area 
outside because it's kind of like out in the desert. And Mm -hmm. the group, like besides Bob, are being told that they're on military property and need to leave. So they don't argue. They gather up their stuff. They're just like, sorry, we've been seeing these lights and we decided to come out here and see what was going on. So they gather all all their stuff up. Bob's able to get from where he was hiding into the vehicle without being seen. And then they're trying to leave because that's like, like there were like guards that came up, like military guards. Yeah. So then as they're getting onto the road, a police car pulls up on them and turns on its light to pull them over. So the cops come up to them. They don't ask for a license or registration or anything like that. Instead, they just ask them what they're doing. And Gene, who's driving, he's like, we we saw lights from the interstate. We thought it was public land, so we went to check it out. And the cops are like, um, we just had security call us and tell us that there's a vehicle with four people in it, and there's five people in this vehicle. They told us it was four or five. And then Gene is, like, joking. He's like, oh, like, it's kind of dark out. They probably just didn't um, do anything. And they're like, no, we can we can count. We're pretty sure that those guards can count too. We need everybody's driver's licenses. So they try to do, yeah, they try to do a voluntary search of this vehicle. Uh, Bob's sister-in-law at this point is taking some classes trying to become a paralegal. And so she just starts like spouting off a bunch of legal stuff. And she's like, we know our rights. Like the cops, like you guys can't just force us to do this. Like we can say no to the search. And so she just, like, keeps talking back at the cops, and eventually they're like, fine, whatever. We're going to look at your IDs. Take their IDs. Go back out. I guess the police come back. They hand everybody else their ID. They keep Bob's, and they're looking at it, and they Mm. go, I guess they know who you are out here. But they let them go, and so they all just kind of, like, make their way back to Las Vegas. And I'm sure Bob's, like, fucking losing his mind at this point. He's probably like, great. Now I'm going to get murdered. Yeah. So... The next morning, HR representative Dennis calls Bob, and he's like, I'm going to be at your house in just a few minutes. And Dennis comes. Somebody just dropped Dennis off. Dennis doesn't even, like, have a car with him. And dropped him off, and he's like, Bob, you're driving. Um, And Dennis is like, okay, you're going to drive us out to Indian Springs Air Force Base, which is located north of Las Vegas. It was what he thought, like Bob thought it was an abandoned military base, according to public knowledge. When he got out there, he realized that that was not the case. So they get to the base and Dennis gets like super up in his face and reiterates to Bob that this is a confidential project and that means that you were not supposed to tell your friends about it, Bob. Oh, no. And Bob's just like, holy fucking shit. Like, what am I going to do? And that's where I'm going to stop because we're, like, really deep into this. What's going to happen? I don't know. (sighs) Obviously, I mean, Bob's alive. But, yeah. So, he's in deep shit at this point. I bet his stomach is in all sorts of knots. Yeah, he seems to be, like, a very nervous individual in general. Why? Like, he dug himself into a hole. Yeah, he should not. And, like, he admits now that he, he like, really wishes he hadn't done any of this. Now he wishes he would have shut his mouth 
and he thinks that like we'll find out why he wasn't getting phone calls on on the next episode teaser okay there's a reason he wasn't getting phone calls but he he truly thinks that, Barry die. that the issue that that goes on that that he probably would have been able to get through it and maybe be able to keep working on it and and he realizes like the reason that the government keeps it safe like a lot of like he'll I'll, I'll explain like why he decided he was going to come forward um, with the information and tell the public about it so it's really interesting um for sure like i said if you aren't familiar with this subject i would definitely recommend like finding something that you can like physically see bob speak i think is really important to kind of like believing him and maybe he's a really good actor but i just like this is it's so interesting to me it's so fucking crazy well i got way more into the story than i thought i was going to yeah yeah okay good because i i worked really hard on this and i was hoping that you would be interested no i i like once he started being stupid and yeah Oh, why? I guess. I mean, so there's that. We got aliens. Yeah, okay. it is. So, well, let's wrap up this episode here. So, yep. Instagram and TikTok, you can find us at Weird Shit My Mom Says Podcast. You can find us at facebook.com slash Weird Shit My Mom Says Podcast without the I and shit. You can. Find us at Patreon if you want to spend $5 a month to help us grow our podcast. We will be doing some extra episodes out there where we just kind of bullshit around a little bit. If you're interested in hearing that um, or helping us pick some topics for episodes in the future, you can find us at Mm -hmm. patreon.com slash weirdshipmymomsaspodcast. Don't forget to leave us a review on whatever whatever platform you're listening to us on. Just simply clicking... Five stars would be fantastic, but if you want to leave us a comment as well, uh, we would love that. We might read it out loud, as we've mentioned earlier. I think that's all. That is all. That is all. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.